I invite you to stand for the reading of the word today. This is our final selection in this current sermon series, Tell a Better Story. So today we read from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel. This is from a vision recorded in Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the contemporary English Bible. The Lord's power overcame me, Ezekiel, and while I was in the Lord's spirit, he led me out and set me down in the middle of a certain valley. It was full of bones. He led, them, he led through them all, and all around, and he saw that there was a great many of them on the valley floor, these bones, and they were very dry. He asked me, human one, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? I said, Lord God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the Lord's word. The Lord God proclaims to these bones, I'm about to put breath in you and you will live again. I will put sinews, sinews. I'll put flesh and tissue and connective tissue in the venous system and it's all gonna come alive again. I'll cover you with skin when I put breath in you and when you come to life, you will know that I am the Lord. I prophesied, Ezekiel, I prophesied just as I was commanded. There was a great noise as I was prophesying and then a great quaking and then the bones came together, bone by bone. The word of God. You can be seated. So it's a strange story. It's a scary story. It's not for home alone at night with the lights out, electricity out kind of story. Anyone have a dream this week about a valley full of bones that came to life again? This is Ezekiel's specialty. Have you met anyone this week named Ezekiel by any chance? One person, fantastic. Anyone else? Two of us. It's not the three of us. It's not the most common name, is it? Any of you do your own technicolor dreaming? How about like this? The book of Ezekiel in chapter one opens, by the way, with a cloud descending and inside the cloud there are four creatures and each creature has four heads and, and four wings and feet like hooves, like a hoof of a calf. And there's the face of a bull and a lion and a human and, and there's flames connecting all the four creatures and before it's over, Ezekiel sees wheels too. There's wheels inside of wheels and inside of wheels and somehow they're created to all the creatures. Had any dream like that this week? It kind of makes dreaming of being chased or falling boring, right? Kind of a pedantic, boring dream, those other kind. When one doesn't know what to do with crazy dreams, at least we could make music out of them. Do you remember the old, old, um, sometimes it came to us as a male quartet if you were raised in the church, but I particularly like Louis Armstrong on this Ezekiel dream. Listen to a few seconds. Well, Ezekiel saw the wheel of rolling, the great big wheel of turning over. Ezekiel saw the wheel of rolling, way in the middle of the air. Great God. Ezekiel saw the wheel of rolling, the great big wheel of turning over. Ezekiel saw the wheel of rolling. 
that these eagles saw the wheel in the middle of the air. A great big wheel and a little bit of wheel, a wheel turning over in the middle of the wheel. The good book says, and the book don't lie, God told Ezekiel to prophesy. Then my God spoke in Ezekiel's mind, he raised his voice and began to cry. He cried, old bones, old sons of our king, great God, you need your bones to talk. Right? Old bones, bones, you hear me now, old bones, you hear the word of God. You're having a whole time sitting, hard time sitting still. Please tell me. I'm holding really carefully still. Come on. Well, the good book don't lie. We don't know what it means, but he saw a lot of stuff. At least we can write a good song about it, right? Ezekiel who comes from Jerusalem with the first batch of captives. He's young. We love to talk about millennials. Well, here's a real live one. If he would have stayed home, he'd been ordained as a priest at age 30. He's just a little ways from that 30th birthday when he's taken away with the first group of captives. The good people at the Bible Project, the Bible Project, they do visual storytelling. They summarize this story with Ezekiel. Here's a, if, if you picked up the sheet on the way in, the top of the sheet has a little uh, image here. That's Jerusalem, and that's the first Babylonian attack, and Ezekiel's in, in that group of more elite people who are taken away to now become prisoners and live in exile. Ezekiel. This uh, book of Ezekiel is a half-sibling to where we were last week, week with the Revelation, and particularly Revelation 14, when we studied the three angels with the loud message for every nation, tribe, and kindred, and people. Pastor Vadim says, I love that text because no one is left out of that good news. Last week we asked, how important is Revelation 14 to our life as Adventist Christians? Is it a text we think of often? Is it formed and shaped us? And if it hasn't, then what passages have? We took that little electronic survey and dozens and dozens of us responded and these were our top passages last week. Not Revelation 14, by the way. John 3.16, for God so loves the whole world that God gives his only son that whosoever believes in God will not perish. And then Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you peace and a future and hope. And if we were to pause and think carefully about that today, we might actually notice that both of our favorite verses in this congregation really are related to the great chaos story in the world. Both of them really are connected. We don't cite Revelation 14 every week, but we're connected to that grand story of chaos in God's good world. So Revelation and Ezekiel are siblings. The same kinds of storytelling. Ezekiel reaches for all of these words and images and metaphors, and Ezekiel even does street theater. He's a quite creative little dramatist. So he builds a little miniature replica of the Temple of Jerusalem, and then he smashes it and stomps all over it. This is how he gets the word out. Oh, what's the word he's trying to deliver? You're not paying attention to God and your lives are kind of lousy. It's a two-part message. You're not paying attention to God and your lives are rather lousy. So he acts it out in front of the people. He rolls on the ground, he plays dead, he eats some things we shouldn't talk about before lunch. 
Ezekiel, he's creative and a little overwhelmed with the message he's been given. If you picked up a copy when you came in the door of this little uh, half sheet, these are our good friends from the Bible Project. After worship today on our social media sites, Facebook will carry the two short videos. This team of specialists, uh, their work is good. While they target 18 to 45 year olds, younger and older will appreciate. If in four or five minutes you can give me a summary of a book of the Bible, it takes two little videos for the book of Ezekiel. Well, this is the summary that they give with it. So it's very tiny print, sorry for all of this, over the age of seven. But you get the idea. The prophet Ezekiel, the material is more well packaged and organized than some of the other prophetic books in our Bible. There are pieces and chunks, chapters one through 11, and 12 to 24, and then 34 to 37. In the middle of all of that, a messenger comes running that the second attack has come, and Jerusalem is really smashed. And people drop dead while Ezekiel's talking. It's in the middle of all of this where we get to chapter 37 that I'm interested in today. I've been thinking about this dream for a long time, although we've never studied it in 10 years. In order to be prepared to hear what Ezekiel says in chapter 37, it's a little like uh, if you're going somewhere for the holidays and there's gonna be snow, you'll need boots and a coat and mittens, right? Or if you're going where I'm going, you need a rain jacket because God washes Seattle. So we have to get our bearings, which is why we look at charts like this and we try to understand what in the world, oh, there's judgments on Israel and there's judgments on the neighbors, but then there'll be hope for Israel and hope for the neighbors and hope for all of creation before this very long book is over. We get our bearings here and then we listen in chapter 37. Remembering, Ezekiel is a prisoner too. He was born into a priest's home, but he's become a prophet now. His wife has died sometime in the middle of all of his existence. We don't really know when, but his wife, his wife dies before him. The quality of your life is pathetic because you're not paying attention to God. That's his core of his message. The dry bones vision now. We read it earlier when you were standing. The bodies are expired and they're spent and there's very, very many of them. The storyteller has been specific. Very many, very dry. And we can't miss if they're piled up that they testify to life that's long gone and lifelessness that now permeates everything. Oh, we get it. We're dead, dead, dead. Ezekiel's relatives, by the way, would be in the pile of bones. Think about that. Your own family tree. Gone is the religion and the culture and the politics and your national identity, the religious, it's all a pile of bones right now. So how would you answer the question Ezekiel gets? It's the divine voice that says to Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Every good student in the room knows right now this is when you defer to the professor which he does, oh, I don't know, what do you think? I'm not answering that question because it looks pretty dead around here. I don't know, what do you think, God? That's his answer. 
In the Protestant tradition, we're pretty good at teaching ourselves and our children and our grandchildren, even if we try not. We're pretty good at teaching ourselves that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps if we try hard enough. But there are no bootstraps in the valley of dry bones. Nobody's wearing boots. Nobody's alive to pull one another's straps up. The only hope is for an intervention. This is when Ezekiel is asked to stand and prophesy. It's a desiccated congregation. Take the pulpit, Ezekiel. It just sounds like a winner of an assignment, right? Stand and prophesy to a bunch of dead bones, Ezekiel. And he does, and that's when there's this rattling and this movement and the skeletons begin to wiggle and and somehow tissue and connective tissue and venous systems and movement happens and what was dead and drying and lay on, laying on the land is now wiggling and moving and flesh begins to cover this, these bones. And prophesy again, the voice says, tell them this. Tell them that I, the divine one, will put spirit in them, will put a life in them, I'll put breath in them. Call the four corners of the winds and I'll, I'll fill them up with new life. And it's so, and the bones and the flesh stand. They're like an army now standing in front of Ezekiel, the storyteller says. Still the people are saying, but our bones are dried up and our hope has perished and we're completely cut off. This is their story. This is what they speak back to Ezekiel when he says God's calling you to life. But we're completely cut off. Our hope has perished. And this becomes the headline. I'd like to ask you, La Sierra community, what is our headline as we come to 2020? What shall be the headline of the story we would like to tell as we approach a new year? What shall the church be in 2020? The critiques are nonstop in my inbox this week, not from you all, from the rest of the world. <laughs> Christianity Today and the Pew Research people, another report this week, and the Barna Group and Pathios, and it doesn't stop what Christians have become in America. The critique is especially harsh on evangelical Christianity, which we tend to think we're part of. I'm not so sure we belong there, but we tend to think we belong there. The harm and the damage, it's a nonstop and a toxic conversation what Christianity has become in America. And so we ask those questions and we think about them too. This series began that way. Who, who, who is the church and when you talk about it and when you think about it and what do you feel about your church and the church you're a part of? It turns out even the Pacific Union Recorder, that little magazine that comes to many of our mailboxes, the most often read stories in the recorder are the obituaries. We were reminded again this week at our union meetings. Who are Adventist Christians in 2020? Are we really all dead? On my board in my office for the last eight weeks, there have been these five sentences as we think about this series. We are fine. We're really all fine. Get over it and go have fish tacos. Everything's fine. We're fine. Or... We're kind of all looking for better options right now. We're on the hunt and on the move. Or we're apathetic and exhausted. Or we're conflict-ridden. We are a conflict-ridden and anxious denomination. 
or we're a denomination with an identity crisis. Well, the real Adventist Christians, please identify yourselves. Who are we? Oh, you know, we're a little of this and a little of that, and we don't like this, and we do like that, and we're not this, and we're post, 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 post Christian now. Who are we? It's like the woman who ordered the salad in the restaurant next to us. I'll have the salad, please, but could you hold the, green, the grilled onions? I don't want those, and no radicchio, and hold the dressing, and, and I don't eat the walnuts, and I know, could you add some goat cheese and some chicken? And the server says, would you still like the lettuce? Are we still talking about a salad? We're a little of this and we're a little of that and we're not those people and we're certainly not these people and as my husband says often, if you tell me I have to believe in all 28 of them, we need to talk again. Who are the Adventist Christians? And what is the story? And what is the headline of the story? Maybe the Christian tradition is positioned with Ezekiel in the valley of bones and death. And how do we know, church, when these bones are too dead and when these bones are too dry, how do we know if it's, if it's done? When we stop caring about, the, caring about the story, we know we're done. But if you still care about the story, the story's not over yet. You see, eras come and go in our lives, and extended periods of disorientation come and go in our lives, don't they? We understand that if we've lived a few years. So we should be accurate about how we name the current period in which we find ourselves, because disorientation can last a while. Eras can last for a while, but if we still care about the story, we have something to talk about. It's called a liminal space. I very much like this word in this language, a liminal space. We can thank the ancients and the anthropologists and even the artists for this word. Liminal space is this threshold like at the bottom of a doorway, a thing you've got to step over or cross to get into the room. Or it's like a transition, an in-between, not at the beginning or at the end, but somewhere in this neutral space. Something is over and something that's yet to happen has not started yet. The most common examples cited are, you know, you're, you're dating and now all of a sudden you're engaged, but you're not yet married. Or you're married, but you found out you're pregnant and you can never go back to being a married couple without children once you find out you're carrying a child. You're in a new liminal space. I think it happens for seniors in high school. You're a senior, so you're almost a freshman in college. Your life is upside down. You're not really in high school. You're in a liminal space, right? A liminal space. There is a sweet spot there, according to some artists. This one, Ed Catmull from Pixar, says there's a sweet spot between the known and the unknown where originality happens in the liminal space. The point, he says, the challenge, he says, is to linger there and not panic. Something can happen in the liminal space if we linger and we refuse to panic. According to the artist, this is when some of our best work is done. So, so, so let's ask that question more seriously. Don't panic in today's American culture? Okay, because nobody was watching the news this week. Don't panic 
In our nation, where culture is angry and cynical and stuck and resigned and resentful and exhausted and screaming, hold still in the liminal space because a creative thing is about to happen? Are you joking me? The Associated Press carried a story a few years ago of a man who's arrested standing in front of a police squad car. The police officer had left the car, gone over here where there was a traffic collision. He's left his guard dog in the car. He hears that it won't start, box, start stop barking. He goes back to his car and he finds that there's a man there who's provoking his dog. They arrest him on a misdemeanor for barking at the dog. Now let that soak in for a minute, because this is America. He's standing on the outside of the squad car barking at a guard dog on the inside of the window, and the dog is barking back. And when they cuff him to take him away, they ask him, what are you doing? He, resp he replies, the dog started it. If you think I create this stuff, it's Ohio, 2011. Look it up, Associated Press. That's our culture, am I telling the truth? You started it, no, you started it. You're screaming, you're screaming louder. Well, what you did was worse. Well, 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 well. Don't panic in the liminal space and sit still. Pretty tough in today's culture. Culture is in a liminal space. My thesis, educational systems are in a liminal space. Christianity is in a liminal space. Adventist Christians are in a liminal space. Some of us in our homes, in our personal life, we're in a liminal space. If you got a diagnosis this week, you are in a liminal space. We are all in a liminal space right now. This is what I'm thinking. In liminal spaces, however, we can get clarity if we are paying attention. So Ezekiel tells the deaf, the dry bones people who are now standing and moving in front of him to pay attention. Pay attention because new life comes, not because there's a little bit of raw life yet to work with. New life comes because the creator creates and creates again. New life comes because chaos does not frustrate the divine. Friends, new life comes in these liminal spaces. It will always move at the will of the creator. So it's remarkable news. Thank you, someone saying amen and amen. This is remarkable news. If I'm going to be in a liminal space, I want that creator. I'm telling you today. There are many who believe that power resides in institutions and groups and teams and power teams and boardrooms and strategic plans. Maybe so, but for the body of Christ, for God's church on earth, for those of us who confess we're paying attention to God week after week after week, for us, the power resides in the creator who creates again and again and again. You can't put the Holy Spirit on an agenda for a meeting. The Spirit happens. So here they are in the valley of the bones with a creator who knows how to create. Turns out that when there are bandages and stink and things look death and dying and beyond, that's when God's about to do a thing. Remember Lazarus' story and then we're all tracking together. 
Lazarus dead three days, he stinketh, the King James Bible says. That's code word for he's really, really dead and now God's gonna do a thing. Our first and primary assignment is to pay attention to God and this will never change church. We pay attention to God. It's the mission of the church. It's the identifying mark of a remnant. Guess what? There's a remnant in Ezekiel, that little word we've loved for a very long time. The first time we hear it in the Bible is Genesis chapter seven with Noah. The last time we hear it is in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. But here with Ezekiel, there's a little remnant also. They're a remnant not because they keep the commandments a little bit better or they live a little more healthy or they go to church every Saturday Sabbath. We do those things because that's how we discern the character of God and learn more about Jesus. That's not what makes them the remnant. They're the remnant because God has their attention. And so here in Ezekiel, there's a little remnant. Now how we work this out as a church is totally up to us. I mean, even today with those of us gathered, oh, the pathfinders are out and the adventurers are out and there's an archeology span big weekend over there. I mean, this community is as diverse as we get. How we work this out, the mission of the church, limitless. This is where we all come in, however. We are a church between two campuses on a corner in the 92505 neighborhood. I'm gonna say it again. We're a church between two campuses on the corner in the 92505 neighborhood. We have been here for 100 years. That means we are thick. You can't just come in here and start whatever kind of church you want because we have an identity, right? We have an ethos, we have a history and a story. This is who we are. One of the pastoral candidates that we've interviewed over the last few months came to church to take all of this in, noticed the drums sitting on the, the stage here, and a few minutes later heard the loud sounds of a pipe organ. And this candidate said to us, well, that was a little bit scary. Seriously? Hadn't even really noticed all the pipes up there. I mean, I was expecting to hear this, and then I got that. Now, who are you people again? To which we responded, we're in a little bit of a liminal space. I'm gonna say it out loud in the worship hour. We've not said this very often. We're in a liminal space because in 2018, we decided in a meeting that the value in 2018 was for all of us to be together. So while we had church at noon for a few years, we decided all of us wanted to be together. So church at noon and church at 9.30 joined. The liturgical service remained. And I'll tell you what, we're in a little bit of a liminal space. Because we say in that big paragraph, the organ belongs and the drums belong and the choirs belong and the students from the academy can come and anybody, it doesn't have to be a specialty group of singers and leaders and one kind of music because we're diverse here. And some people have said, how's that working for you? I mean, we're, we're working on it, church. It's like the lion and the lamb lying in the field together, right? The electric guitar and the pipe organ go together. Well, we're in a liminal space. 
This is what happens when you're in the liminal space. We are a church between two campuses on the corner in the 92505. Our primary task is to pay attention to God. Now, whatever comes next, we can work it out whatever way you want. How would you like to work it out? Bravo, go. Because it isn't the pastors or the elders who do all of this anyhow. We are all together, the church. Sometimes I hear people say, well, God will take care of the church. The church will be fine. What if God is taking care of each and all of us and God expects that we will take care of the church? For there is a thing here to tend. There is a thing here to pay attention to. There is a soul of the church. Do you hear me? There is an ethos and an identity and there's the warmth of the church and the environment of the church and the usefulness of the church in the neighborhood and to our two campuses and to one another. What if God's taking care of all of us so that we will tend to the soul of the church? I'm asking you today to care a little bit more about your church. Is God gonna come while we're asleep and sprinkle dust on our corner? And somehow we'll all become magically more representative of God in our neighborhood. There is a soul to this church we've been caring for. Ezekiel is in a liminal space. Can I tell you one of the things that happened for Ezekiel in Babylon in a liminal space over the course of a few decades? Do you know what those prisoners accomplished? If you're holding a Bible in your hand or you have it on your phone, much of the Old Testament is recorded and remembered and edited and captured and written while they're in Babylon. We have the Old Testament we have today because they took their liminal space and did something with it. Our first and primary assignment will always be to pay attention to God. There are countless ways we will live this out. One small way, I say small intentionally. Some of you maybe got a flyer this week inviting you to a meeting on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. The flyer carries a picture of something called the Golden and Pierce Multifamily Development. This is what we've been talking about for three or four years. So on Wednesday night, there's a meeting in our neighborhood. Oh, preliminary meetings have been happening for the last year or two. Feedback from our academy and other partners have developed the current site plan. And on Wednesday night, we join with some partners because a few years ago, we took the mayor seriously when he said, don't you Christians have land we can use because we need permanent housing solutions. Thank you, Jim Manning. You were one person who let us walk out to your property down at Five Points and imagine a complex like this on your property with nothing in return. Turned out that piece of property is not, wasn't quite the right one. This one is. So on Wednesday night, with all the feedback and the site plan developed, we meet down at the La Sierra Community Center. The planners are ready to go. And we need your voice in the room if you have hope in your heart that living with these neighbors in our neighborhoods is part of what you're called to do. Remember, the, the rumor mill has been that busloads of people will come from somewhere and inhabit our space. The rumor mill has been somehow that we've clustered some kind of segment of society and we're gonna now import them. Friends, this, these are our neighbors who already live in Riverside seeking supportive housing. Now here's what got me about this flyer. We didn't write it. 
If you look at the fine print on the bottom of the flyer, if you move forward, we'll see the advertisement. I'm going to read it to you. National Community Renaissance is a partner with the Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventist Church in the city of Riverside. They're proposing the development of an 80-unit attainable housing community on the corner or on Pierce Street. The addition of this housing site is intended simultaneously to further the church's mission to serve the local community and address the housing shortage in the city of Riverside. We didn't write that. The city wrote it. Can you believe that? It doesn't matter what meeting I have been in the last three years, here's what they say about this potential project. If the La Sierra community is involved, everything will work out fine. This isn't a three or four year project, this is a 100 year old project. That's what I want you to know today. It's a small mark in the work that's been ongoing in our community for 100 years. When you open these old church journals, which we do occasionally, this is journal number one, and the very first church business meeting, and they decide what the offering calendar will be for the La Sierra Church. The first Sabbath of the month, the funds they take up will go to the poor in the neighborhood. And the year is 1922. We're part of a 100-year-old story. Liminal spaces mean this kind of thing can happen. It's what client services across the street and the warehouse down the street, it's what they're all about. What can happen with Liminal Spaces Church? A remnant group with our faces turned towards God, the primary task is to pay attention. Why? So God's dreams will become our dreams. And when we've done this, God's dreams really do become our dreams. It's not complicated. It's why we gather here week by week and we sing some music to focus our attention and we study scripture and we gather in groups during the week and we have activity circles and all of the rhythm of life we do together here is so that we will hopefully learn how to dream God's dreams. It's not complicated. A church on the corner between two campuses in the 92505. How shall we live it out this next year? My favorite part of the Ezekiel story, verse 11. He said to me, this is God speaking, human one, Ezekiel, these bones are the entire house of Israel, and these bones, the nation of Israel is saying, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We're completely finished. This, friends, is the liminal space because guess what? They're no longer dead. They're standing up talking. This is the most remarkable scene. It's over for us. What do you mean? You were a dead, dry pile of bones. Now you're standing talking to God. So now, prophesy, God says. Tell those people who think their best days are over. The Lord God proclaims, I'm opening up your graves. I will raise you up from your graves, my people. I'll bring you to Israel's fertile land. You will know that I am God when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, my people. I'll put my breath in you and you will live. I will plant you on your fertile land and you will know that I'm the Lord and I have spoken and I will do it. This is what the Lord says. We are all in over our heads. 
but God is not. In God's good world, what story would you like to tell, church, in 2020? Amen.